Welcome back to this week's episode of Dissecting Success. This week, we're excited to welcome Sandy Schools, the Chief People Officer at FLIP. With a passion for people and culture, Sandy is focused on building a culture of learning, growth, and empowerment at FLIP, where there is a huge appetite for trying new and innovative ways to accelerate the work experience for team members. With over 20 years of diverse human resources experience and having held several executive human resource leadership roles, she brings an absolute wealth of knowledge to today's episodes. So let's dive right in. Ever wonder what success actually means? How do you get it? And how do you keep it? We all want it, yet sometimes it feels only some of us get to have it. Hi, Teresa and Blair here. We are two badass entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, coaches, and business mentors who have had success, felt success, questioned our own success, and reclaimed it. Let's be real for a hot minute. 2020 has been a roller coaster ride, and many of us have started to wonder if they'll lose the things that made them successful. So we got curious, raw and real about what success is truly about. Can you put it in a box? How can you get it? Can people take it away or are you the one with the power? Does it mean the same to all of us or are we the ones that create it? From PGA golf pros to doctors, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and spiritual mentors, we get together to meet with successful people from around the globe to dissect success through vibrant conversations and interviews. Make sure you click the subscribe button on the App Store because each week we will drop a new episode to bust through the myths around success and dissect its true meaning. Welcome back to another episode of Dissecting Success. So thrilled to be here. And we have another brilliant guest with us today. Welcome, Sandy. We are so thrilled to have you. How are you? I'm amazing and I'm so thrilled to be with you too. You guys are awesome. Thank you so, so much for your time. So let's dive right in. We always love to start off every episode with guests with this one question. And that question is, what does success mean to you? I think that's an awesome question. So what does success mean to me? I think it's definitely not a one size fits all. So I've talked to lots of my friends and the way they would describe success is probably a little different how I would look at it. Um, and I've been trying to figure this out through my entire career. I would define success as really how happy and fulfilled I am and really around how nourished my soul is. So I kind of approach it in a way that I look at it from the four quadrants. So I take a look at your physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental. Um, and, you know, the way that I've been trying to make sure that I've got the energy, because it's about feeling so fulfilled that you've got the energy to spend with the people you love and doing things in life outside of work. Work is amazing, but it's about having this incredible energy and love for my kids and for giving back to community. So I really approach it from like on the physical and emotional, making sure that I work out and I have like a cadence and a discipline that I get my runs in. I run with my girlfriends who are incredibly amazing. They are so inspiring. And so I get a lot of that emotional support from them as I exercise and do things. I think that from a spiritual perspective, 
I have a connection. I think it helps me really feel whole. So it was interesting. Last year, I made right before COVID, I made an intention that I wanted to get to know myself a little bit more from a spiritual perspective and a Christianity. So I joined a home church. So there's this local church. And on Wednesdays, they have home church. And it's done virtually now. We're all on Zoom. But it's been amazing. I've learned more in the last year than I did throughout my entire life. Um, so it's been a very cool thing for me to understand. And I think just last is really around mental. So what's your purpose? So I've really been trying to discover that, to be honest with you. And it's been a little bit of a journey. And I've gotten to a place where I really believe that you need to do what you're passionate about. So like, I love what I do every single day I come into work, it's not work. And I know we hear that cliche that do what you love. So it doesn't feel like work, but that's true. I mean, I think so again, success to me is really focusing on the four quadrants and really trying to look at the happiness and my fulfillment level. Thank you so much for sharing. So let's talk a bit about how, uh, what you define success to be and how it relates to your role currently at flip. So how it relates to my role at flip. So success, I mean, I look, my role as a chief people officer. So what I'm responsible for is really making sure that we bring the best people in. They have an incredible work experience where we can really untap their potential and help them grow, develop and learn within our organization um, and help drive that performance in the company. So, you know, Flip is a, is a, a great company. I don't know if you're familiar with Flip, but there's a, it's a free shopping app and website. Um, that really brings your circulars, coupons, and sales um, to your phone, and you can do all your planning for shopping. So we really, really try to bring all these young, very dynamic and incredible people in, and my job's all about how do I nurture that? So from a success perspective, every day, and I'm not kidding, there's not a day that I have gone into work, and now even virtually, where I don't love what I do, because my job's about coaching, and I think, Blair, you do a ton of coaching yourself. Coaching, there's, it's probably one of the most satisfying things you can do because it's not about you. So, you know, success is about helping other people. And to me, I sit down and I talk to them about what can they do to really push themselves and help themselves be more successful. So that's my job, which I think is like probably the best job anyone can have is just helping other people and tapping into their potential. So it's all the elements. It's helping me with all the areas I'm looking at. And then I think what I what I feel really good about at, at Flip and what I've been able to do is when I talk about the four quadrants, we bring that into our workplace. So, you know, I think it's really important that people realize that work is not just about you shouldn't separate your personal life and work. I, I think it's kind of intertwined, especially now with COVID. It's really hard to turn it off. So I think it's important that we try to figure out if I can help individuals be really happy in their home life and I can help them feel a sense of balance, then they bring that into the work life and they'll perform better. So I really, we try to approach it that way, that way where we look at high energy and we do a bunch of training and support for people. So that kind of speaks to what I'm doing at Flip. I love that. And so like what I really took away is um, for you, being of service to people is being of service to yourself. And that is what success is. And um, if you don't mind, Sandy, I'd love to share a little story with you. Um, so my background's in public relations and I worked for Lululemon at store level. And part of working for Lululemon is you get access to free yoga. So I started there in 2005. So I went from the Winnipeg store to the Edmonton store to a store in Vancouver. And then I decided at the age of 23, at the beginning of the recession, that I was going to start my own PR company. Wow. With all the business experience I had, which was not very much. And so I did, and I left Lululemon. And so I'm still living the lifestyle, going to yoga, all of these fitness classes, but now I'm paying for it. And holy smokes, I didn't realize how expensive it was. 
So I look for a way to still maintain my lifestyle, less of a cost. And I ended up building a health and wellness coupon company. So it was called, started off as a coupon book, like old school coupon book, kind of like show and save, where I went to all the businesses in Vancouver that I wanted to try that inspired a um, happy heart, healthy mind, happy soul, something like that. I can't remember the tagline. I should, but I don't. Um, and I went to like why yoga and like all the big trap uh, flight center. And I got all these really big companies to give me coupons for my book. And it went over so well, but I was like, oh, I got to go digital. And I ended up becoming an online health and wellness community. And it was across Canada and it was kind of like Groupon for health and wellness. I come from a long line of couponers, <laughs> like legit mm-hmm. have memories of running through the Safeway aisle, collecting coupons as a kid for my grandma. And wow. so, but what I realized with that, like, it wasn't just for me, like, yes, I wanted free yoga, but I ended up committing myself to building this community because it was of service to others. Other people were trying things they would have never tried, like paint and sip or sword fit, like, you know, fitness class with swords and I was helping change people's lives. And what you were just saying there, I thought was a little relatable because it was what was serving me. My success was determined by the way I was helping other people. And that's something like the coupon company no longer exists because I realized I just wanted free yoga. I didn't want to own a coupon empire. <laughs> it was not an empire. I didn't want to own a coupon like shtetl, <laughs> like little, like I didn't want to, ha- I didn't want to do that. I wanted to use the coupons. So, and I focused my energy on my PR company, but being of service to people and providing them these experiences is really what I determined as success. Yeah. So I totally, I totally agree. And you know, it's interesting when I look back, you know, I've, I'm, I'm the most experienced at flip, right. I call it the most experienced. And so when I kind of look back at my, at my career, I, when I first started off and when I'm coaching people, success is all about like, how am I doing? And again, like I always looked at it from, am I happy in my role? Do I love what I'm doing? Am I challenged? And I looked at it from that perspective. And it's really funny because now when I take a look at what I'm doing, success is not at all about me. It's not about me at all. It's about how do I help everybody around me? And, and it's way, way more fulfilling than focusing on myself. And, you know, to your point, I, I think it's, it's really cool. Like I, um, I grew up and my parents used to clip. So my mom would go through the newspaper and she'd clip every single coupon and she'd actually had a binder and she would like put them all in the binder and write down like Dominion and this store and that store. And her and my dad knew exactly which store they were going to go to, to do all their shopping. And that was great. Fast forward now, my mom lives really close to me. She's 85 and I'm trying to get her to use flip. So it's hilarious, right? Like I've sent her like watch list. We have watch list and a shared list. It's, it's not, she can't use it, but I take her shopping pre-COVID and I always use flip and she would save money. She's like, wow, this is so cool. I can't believe this. And you can do it. Like she remembers when she used to do it all by cutting the coupons. So I had that too. I grew up that way as well, which is really neat. That's so fun. I love how you ended up, you know, in this company around like coupons and and everything that Flip does. But one thing that I'd love to dive into a little bit more is that you're really approaching things a little bit differently. You know, these four quadrants, really looking at, you know, making sure that the people that work for the company have a balanced and happy home life and then bringing that back into the company, which is a very different approach to Mm -hmm. what most organizations look at, which they're focused on employee engagement. They're focused on the happiness of employees at work, Mm -hmm. but they're really not. So they're really doing it from the other side. So it's almost like you flipped it at flip (laughs) (laughs) and doing it differently. um, How has that impacted the company success um, since doing it this way? 
Yeah, you know what? It um so we do engagement surveys too. And last year our engagement survey actually went up 10 points. And a lot of it I think is because there's a couple of things. One's around transparency and, and our culture, but the other part is really caring for our people. So there's a program that we put in place called high energy and it focuses on the four quadrants. So we actually have people spend a couple of days going through and training. And then we have a lot of people inside. So what we did is we looked at individuals in our organization who are really passionate, right? Like, so we have some people that do yoga, some people that are so into, you know, naturopathic medicine to like lots of different people that like training. Um, And so we train them up and they run these programs and it's called high energy and it helps everybody focus on those four quadrants. So we teach people like even from a nutritional perspective, what are all the areas? How do you give yourself energy every couple of hours? Like what are the things that you should be focused on to the exercise and what's ways to exercise? If you're a salesperson and you're traveling, what do you do in your hotel room to, you know, all this different kind of stuff. Um, So I think all of that, what I'm seeing, it's just, it's, it's the feedback. It's, it's our people. They're very close. Like we've got, it's a really special place. And we say this all the time. And I've been in other organizations. You could say it's all about the people, but there's something incredible about flip. And you'll see that in all of our engagement results and everything we do about culture. We just were awarded the most admired culture, but again, it's because of our people. Like they, they truly care about each other and they take this, they take this really seriously. So you know, the other day, I, I'm not sure if you guys are have a lot of friends who have small kids right now and are working. So with all the lockdowns, people are going out of their mind. Like, thank God my kids are older, but we'll be on Zoom calls. And it's you, you see all these little kids come up and they're sitting on their mommy and daddy's lap. And, you know, they want attention and they don't have school right now. And it's hard. Like, it is really hard. People are stressed. They're, you know, I'm sure I'd, I'd hate to hear the arguments or what's going on behind for the, the walls when you have all the kids and you're trying to get your job done. But what we've tried to do is say, you know, leave, go. You don't have to work your traditional hours. This is not a traditional time. This is a wild and crazy time right now. So just work. If you want to work at nine o'clock at night and take like the day off during the day, if like whatever you want to do, do it. Because just manage your family, take care of your family, they're number one, and then you can come back and think about work. And I think that's brilliant because when this pandemic started, I said, I think this is the beginning of the remote work revolution. And part of that is that companies are now expecting output. It doesn't matter when you do it, but do it. And we have to have that flexibility because look what's happening, right? I know. And- It's just so interesting to see because, yeah, maybe one day we're going to all go back to corporate offices or there's going to be hybrid models or these positions are remote because the pandemic showed that you actually can go remote and you save with the overhead costs of a building, especially if you're a digital company like Flip. And I mean, I don't know what the future has in store for anyone, but I think part of the remote work revolution is that flexibility and moving away from the traditional nine to five to get your job done and do it well. I don't care how or when. (laughs) Or where, right? Or where. So like, yeah. I totally agree with you. And like, we have people, I have two people on my team. One's in Dominican and one's in Bahamas right now. And I'm getting very jealous when I see them on Zoom and I'm seeing all these beautiful palm trees behind them. But you're, you're totally right. Like, I, it's never going to go back to the same thing. And I actually think that's the one amazing thing that came out of COVID. I, well, there's been two. I think one is we can work from anywhere. And if you trust people enough, you'll realize their productivity is way better than it was when we were in the office. I'll tell you that right now. The, the area I'm worried about is burnout. But that's another thing I, I just, you know, but I, and I think working from anywhere, like, isn't that incredible? Like who gets you off? Like, this is amazing to be able to work from anywhere and get your stuff done. Like that's life. 
like enjoy life. I think this is telling us that, you know what, we really need to enjoy and do what we can because you don't have to be in an office. You can get a lot done outside of an office. Um, this past summer, I would take conference calls on my stand-up paddleboard in the middle of the lake. My yeah, husband like, would get mad at me. He's like, you're going to drop your phone in. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. So like, how can you build a career, a successful career with whatever success benchmarks are for you and still really live the best life possible? I, I you know what, I think that, I think this is a turning point. And I think that some companies, you know, when we've heard about this, the Googles of the world made a statement that, okay, we're not going to open up the offices ever. Like you guys going to be full remote. I don't know if that's going to happen with some of these larger organizations, if they're going to be able to continue that. They may, like you said, have a hybrid and they may come back. But I don't know. I really hope that a lot of organizations don't go back too much. I know we don't have any intention. We have every intention to stay remote. It will be a little bit of a hybrid. We've already got some ideas that we're going to do. But no, we want the flexibility. That's what everyone wants. I mean, 90% of our organization are millennials. Millennials don't want to work in the offices. They want to work from Hawaii. They want to be able to do stuff. And you know what? They're so technologically savvy. They get so much done wherever they are. Like, it doesn't really matter. And so what do you think... Like, what do you think a lesson from these millennials is for um, like the baby boomer boomer generation or the, you know, Oh, there's a few like there what let's, few. let's share those for our listeners. Like what, what, what are some things that our older listeners are, are more experienced listeners mm-hmm. <laughs> can take away from this? I think first, first and foremost is that you don't need so much structure. If you can set like with millennials, if you set goals and they, they know exactly what they're held accountable to, let them go do their thing, give them the support they need, check in with them because they do love to check in, check in with them often, but oh my God, they'll get it done. Like they have, they have so much more on the accountability clock. Like they really do care because they're constantly trying to grow and learn. Like millennials want to grow. Like if they will just, they'll leave an organization if you're not giving them the kind of learning. So I think one key message is trust them and they will give you so much in return. Secondly is they've got it right. Like when it comes to family and enjoying life outside of work, millennials are like, they put family first. They put your friendships first and know that that's the most important thing. And I think that's a big lesson to, to different types of perspectives that we've been growing up. uh, We grew up with Um, right now. I think we don't even, we don't even blink when we have conversations and we talk about, okay, what should we do for our people? The first thing we think about is how do we help people? How do we help them with their families? How do we make sure that they're getting a learning? It's got nothing to do with cost and finance. I think throw the whole budget finance and all that thing aside right now. Talk about the the care, the wellness, the mental health. Think about the person and the whole self and you will get way more in return and you won't have to worry about the, the other stuff. I think that's the biggest lesson. Care about the person as an individual. Don't treat them separate. I love that. You know, I, I find, I mean, everything you're sharing, it's incredibly progressive and it comes back to something that you shared at the very beginning, when I asked you what success means to you, and you spoke about happiness and fulfillment. 
and just just experiencing life at a different level. And that is something that over the course of this podcast and as we've had guests on, it keeps coming back to this being this inward journey, success being something that is, you know, accessed from the inside and what is birthed out of that, the the businesses, the services that are being provided to people around the globe, the messages that are being shared that so many people now really need to hear. And I think now even more where, you know, things like mental health and exhaustion and burnout and depression. And like, I mean, all these, you know, all these things have been elevated in this environment of social distancing and, and all these things, all the change we've experienced and to be able to step back and to rethink the way we work and to rethink the way we can succeed and to put the service, put people first, right? Like to bring the humanity back into the workplace and to shift the perspective in that way. It's so huge. But what I've also been seeing is that the businesses that are doing that, the the entrepreneurs that are doing that, the leaders that are showing up differently like that, you see the difference in how their businesses are doing and making it through this environment. And I feel like the world's going to be better for it. And I know right now it's hard and it doesn't feel like that. And I know a lot of people are struggling, but I think if we take some of those lessons and some of those key pieces, and instead of going backwards, move forward with that, right? And and put the nine to five myth, you know, take it out of the box, break the box up, right? It doesn't matter where we are and when we work. It's not about the time we put in and the quantity of what we do, but the quality that we bring into our work. And when we work, we do it really well. So I love that so, so much, Sandy, that you're sharing that and that at Flip, you're so progressive and really embracing it because I know not all companies are. And I think that that is such a powerful message to share. And, and I hope that anyone listening who's leading an organization, you know, take that to heart and bring it in. And that brings me to, to one more question. And I know we're getting to time as well, but what were some of the maybe blocks that you've experienced, you know, as Flip transitioned and as you became more of a pro- progressive or perhaps it's always been like that but what what were some of the challenges um you know organizationally that you may have faced as you prioritized your people and brought these four quadrants in um versus you know looking at let's say the bottom line and the finances and the budgets right because it's there's two very different viewpoints i know you know i'm going to be completely honest i know you're not gonna you're gonna think okay yeah sure sandy I have to be honest with you, um, the executive team I work on are, we have, there's six of us and they are completely aligned with the whole idea about yourself and looking at the health of our people first. So there really wasn't any blockages. I mean, from a budget perspective, we don't have like pockets that are really massive. So we did have conversations like, sure. When all of a sudden, like right now we're trying to figure out you, I think it was Blair, you mentioned that um, potentially with remote, we're going to try to sublet and like move your floors, right? So you don't have as much real estate. So we're trying to look at a way to have less real estate, take that money and put it back into our employees. Like, what can we do to reinvest with them? So we've been trying to figure out what that is because we don't have unlimited budget. And what we want to do right now is we want to do things like... How do we provide a laundry service for all of our people with our kids so that we can help them? Or maybe there's even opportunity to have someone go and clean, clean your house. Like all this costs money and we don't have, yeah, we don't have a ton of cash. 
Um, so it, I don't know that it's blockages, but we sat there, we sat back and said, okay, how do we make priorities? Like we want to do learning and development. That's the most important thing for our people right now. They want to grow, they want to learn, and we want to do these things. So what gives, like, what, what can we give up? Like where, where can we find this kind of cash? So I'd say we've had challenging conversations to look at budget, to say, how do we fund these things? But there really hasn't been a challenge around anyone debating whether or not they're important. Not at all. And honestly, it doesn't come out that we want to do anything for um, like nothing beats it. It's just a matter of we, we're, we don't have a lot of excess cash. So we don't have that extra cash that, to be able to, you know, just kind of move it from one place to the other. So that's kind of our challenge at the moment. Now, in other organizations, I've had lots of <laughs> lots of challenges in the past, but at Flip, not so many on that. Thank you so much for being open with that. I mean, that's incredible. You know, it just speaks to um, the company attracting the right kind of talent, right? Which you're probably at the, you're obviously at the heart of it as a chief people officer, which is incredible. So kudos for you to, you know, building a team that really thinks that way and that looks at even things financially and says, okay, well, we don't have unlimited funds, but what are the funds we do have and how can we make it work? And how can we, again, to Blair's point, use this environment to our advantage and maybe by having less real estate or less offices and going more remote, how can we you know, use the funds that might be freed up to then reinvest in our people? That's, that's really amazing. Thank you. So wrapping up this episode, I would love to know as well, what is one piece of advice that you would give people that are on their path to success? And that perhaps could be something that's more, you know, personally, they're working them, they're working their way up <laughs> in their careers, they wanting to achieve. What's one piece of advice that you would give them? Do I have to limit to one? I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I've learned, I've made a lot of mistakes in my career. So um, there's probably two pieces of advice I'd love to give. So one would be, and I see this even with talking to my sons, especially my son who's 21, thinking about what he wants to do. And they feel like they have to hurry. They feel like, oh my God, all these other people, my friends are graduating mom and they're getting this job and they're getting that job. And, and I see this in work where people are in, in a hurry. They feel like there's so much stress and they've got to move up and get different titles and keep climbing up the ladder. And my advice is don't do it. Try to get the most, like be a sponge, get the most experience you can get from any role and learn as much as you can from people. So don't be in such a hurry to be in this, this role and then go up this way. I'd say zigzag as much as possible. Learn from everyone you can. So that would be my first piece of advice is don't be in such a hurry. The second one would be, and, and this is, you know, really for men and women, but I would say very, a big message to women is set yourself up with a network. So, you know, early in my career, I was really fortunate. I worked for this, um, this man, his name was Jim Westall, and he was an incredible mentor. And what he did amongst many things, what he taught me was, Sandy, you got to think about meeting people who are different, different backgrounds, different levels, different industries. Like when you go to conferences and you meet someone, you, you always meet that one or two people, you take their number, their cards, and you stay in contact. He says, create your own board of directors, like get a group of people who you know that, you know, they're going to think differently from you and nurture that like through your career so that you get ongoing feedback. Because especially in my role, sometimes we can be a little insular. I can't share everything I'm thinking with everybody that we want to roll out because some of it's confidential or you're trying to figure out what makes sense. And having that board of director, I mean, it's, it's incredible that you can just talk to somebody. They can give you honest advice. You can get a different perspective and it just helps you really grow. And I think women, 
we generally aren't that great at networking. We don't take the time. I think you guys sound like you're amazing at it, but a lot of people don't take the time to really nurture those relationships and, and build those people up to get honest, honest and blunt feedback. I think that that's really critical. I love that. I'm a schmoozer. Like I came into the world blaring. I have the gift of the gab. I love networking. And I think, you know, building out your network is so important because you know what, depending on, you know, I I guess it doesn't matter if you have a corporate job or you're an entrepreneur, but word of mouth referrals is king like that or queen, I should say it's queen. (laughs) And, you know, people, you build those relationships, you do business with people you like, know, and trust, and you build those relationships when you meet new people and how are you going to meet new people? And guess yeah. what? In the digital era, like I virtual network, Teresa virtual networks, we're, we, we're, we're, we're still hustling. And so. just think of all the people you guys know, like if there's ever a question that comes up or if there's any information you need, you have a massive network that you can tap into and get information. Like it's just, I think that's, that's priceless. You can't get that. Right. Yeah. And I think like social media, so that's my wheelhouse, (laughs) but like social media is a great place to crowdsource information too, you know, depending on who your followers or connections are on Instagram or LinkedIn, but you know, you don't know everything. There's impossible for me to know everything, for you to know everything, for anyone to know everything, but what you don't know, someone else knows. And the majority of people want to help lift each other up. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think one of the pieces of advice that I always give and, and, it's something that I spoke about heavily to when we were still at the beginning of this pandemic was who are your five people that are on your speed dial? Like the five people you can call, you know, I know Blair is one of my five and I reach out to her like just the other week I had um, a troll on my <laughs> Instagram and I messaged Blair. I was like, I had a troll and you know, it's interesting, right? Like we're putting ourselves out there. And then, so I reach out to Blair and here's what she says to me, brilliant as she is. She's like, oh, you got a troll. You know what that means? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I just blocked him. And she's like, no, it means you made it. And I was like, Oh my God, if the trolls find me, it's a good thing. And so, you know, it's interesting how something as little as that, right? Like could throw me off, right? Like someone saying something like mean, bullish, that doesn't like a message that I have to share and is quite, you know, vocal. And this happens, right? In the social media world, like it will happen. And to be able to just, you know, make a decision and then reach out to somebody and be like, dude, this happened. Like I, like why does this happen? Right. Cause we, we question it. And so to have five people, and that's just a small example, but having five people that we can call on any topic, I'm so blessed about that to, to have that and to have built that network. And I totally agree with you. I think that as women, we've often be modeled that there is competition and putting that collaboration over competition and really building a network around you that is so, so huge. So thank you so much for bringing that layer in. This was fantastic. It was so great to have you, Sandy. Oh, well, thank you. That was so much fun. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And you just, guys have tons of energy. Oh, and I just want to say for those of you listening, because you can't see, but she's wearing the best blazer I've ever seen. Oh. It is pink and velour. <laughs> and I just want to wear it all day. So oh. just... She's a powerhouse. And Sandy, I'm so honored. We are so honored that you took time out of your busy day to chat with us about success and help us dissect it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure. I had so much fun. 
That's a wrap for another episode of Dissecting Success. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe to Blair Kaplan Venables and Teresa Lambert's podcast, Dissecting Success on the App Store. And follow us on Instagram at Teresa Lambert Coaching and Blair from Blairland to stay up to date on our latest episodes, badass offers, and more. 